0: Well hello everybody, welcome to Coaches on the Couch. I'm Louise and I'm Rachel and today we don't have any guests with us on the virtual couch. We're at the end of our third series of podcasts and Rachel and I are going to do what we do all the time but we don't usually bother to record it and we're going to reflect on the previous eight episodes of the series. So we kicked off the series with our Made Visible event, which was a webinar at which we had 100 guests, which was mm. incredibly exciting.
1: And we had some really great speakers, Angela Dapper from Grimshaws, Alistair Roberts from Hawkins Brown, Tyra Bolade from Bolade Design Studios, uh, Jane Rolls from Film and Clegg Bradley, and Thomson Curley from Place Careers, who of course was our partner for the event.
0: And we had some great themes emerge from that, uh, those conversations that took place. It was called Coaches on the Couch Made Visible for obvious reasons. And it sort of set the tone for the subsequent episodes of the podcast, didn't it, Rach? Very much so. I mean, I guess
1: back then in January, people were sort of not split, but I suppose their, their focus was split between helping people through the well-being aspects of what was quite a difficult time because it was third lockdown, and I think that's been more difficult for people, but also with an eye, obviously, on the future and how they were going to set up future ways of working within their respective organisations.
0: Yeah, and one of the things about it that struck me was that it was incredibly optimistic. Um, People weren't denying that there were going to be huge challenges, but they were really optimistic and sort of up for it. They They were thinking positively about how they were going to meet these challenges at um, the commencement of what became you know a really difficult month a couple of months for everybody lockdown as we were so Angela Dapper we really went back to first principles in a way talking Mm. about what is an office for how is the office going to be used in the future what is the space for and what does it say about us as a practice
1: took us back to sort of the fundamentals of a practice as well you know what um what's the identity and how will that be expressed when you take the office out of that equation for a moment yeah how do you express those different elements of the um, organization's identity
0: yeah because the place the workplace isn't just a physical space it's much it's much broader than that for most, of well, the, exactly. the, yeah. for most well exactly yeah well now including
1: that, we that sort of the digital digital side of things isn't it when people are working from home and yeah all of all of that which obviously we will come on to and I think also Alistair Roberts though he was very much trying to sort of at the start of his hybrid puzzle um, trying to work out how the, those things were going to work together particularly um, balancing the needs of individuals with the needs of the business. Mm-hmm. And he referred to a piece of research from Cushman Wakefield, which was interesting, I think, where he was saying, you know, if you just leave it to individuals and you've got two people who are two and a half days in the office each, then actually there's a 25% chance that they will actually coincide at the office at the same time, which clearly won't work if you're bringing people to the office for collaborative purposes.
0: Yeah, and we're a few months on from that conversation. Yeah. But those debates, I think, are still taking place in Definitely. offices up and down the country. And, uh, and then Tara uh, Balade talked about the importance within that context of having a strong overall framework, mm. a kind of clear set of, mm. of, of vision and values to, to act as a kind of guiding star for, sure. for the yeah. office.
1: Finally, Tamsin was reminding people and it's something we've covered in a previous pod with um, Charlotte and Catherine uh, back in series two but she was talking about listening and I think that really needs to be restated we can't say enough can we really listening yeah but the importance of leaders listening to their teams their clients collaborators the marketplace just listening because we're in a time which is I'm not going to say that word that begins with you you know it's new isn't it so listening and not just reverting back to how things have been but listening I think is going to be really important or continues to be really important
0: and then in our first episode we had Joe Bacon of Allies and Morrison and we expanded on some of these practicalities really and it seemed that Allies and Morrison were actually quite far down the road um, in January towards Thinking about their head office in London as being the mothership, which was an expression that stayed with me. Yeah, it's a great great Uh, phrase. And kind of um reorganising the subletting some of the space and reorganising what was left to make it a place where people would come together to collaborate and to exercise that creativity which is so important in, in design organizations. Yeah.
1: And I think also in this sort of area, although it was a later pod, but the latest episode, Adam Scott was talking a lot about employee experience. And he was taking his sort of, um, they call themselves experience master planners, don't they? And he was taking that and applying that into how organisations might try and make sure they keep that sense of belonging for people, whether they're working from home or in the office or some kind of blended version of, of both so starting to think about if you go to Angela's point about identity and Tara's point about vision and values getting that as the framework and then thinking about how that's expressed across all of those different places whether it's in the office or working from home which was really interesting
0: yes because the the workplace now has to adapt to um some aspects of the experience that people have had over the last year, and um, we know through um, our coaching work uh, well, everybody knows, but we probably get more touch points with people and hear more themes echoed that that sense that people have had of having more flexibility and freedom and autonomy to decide um, <clears throat> when to work or when or being able to or when they can work um, if they're balancing the needs of family and all the rest of it around yeah. them and how there are aspects of that that people aren't going to want to give up, and why should they? You know, I've had people say, yeah. for the first time in 10 years, I've been taking my kids to school three yeah. days a week, and I don't want to give that up. So it becomes back to comes back to one of the things that was mentioned in the webinar, which was really, you know, how are we going to balance that, mm-hmm. people having more autonomy? Definitely,
1: definitely. Which just makes me, a lot of this is making me think about the pod that we did with Dan Whittingham from Opera. And the sort of common theme through that was around motivation. And we referred there to a model, uh, which is in a book by Dan Pink, which talks about three aspects of motivation being the mastery, autonomy and purpose, and very much sort of appealing to people's intrinsic motivation. And you could refer to your BD opinion piece around a similar Topic on intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, but I think, you know, people have enjoyed more autonomy in some ways, and I think if people are working more remote, it's becoming more important to be able to differentiate between organisations based on something that's really strong. It's less about... Quite a lot was tied up in the office, wasn't it, before? And if that's less important, just thinking about how um, people continue to be motivated and how you distinguish your organization from another one. Because if you don't, it's almost like you're then reliant on extrinsic motivation, isn't it? It all becomes about money. Because if you're sitting at home, if I'm sitting in my office here, it makes no difference if I'm working for one organization or another. I can't actually tell unless somebody's actually, it's got to come down to purpose hasn't it really culture and purpose so creating something which is something higher that binds people from that organization together and really aligns with people's values so you're all going in the same direction otherwise they're just going to jump ship and go for another 10k down the road
0: yeah yeah no it's about that switch in size that that makes people want to do something for Mm. um a reason that goes beyond that extrinsic motivation Mm. Which kind of makes me think of, of the two women that we talked to from Landsex, Bernie and Angharad, yeah, um, because they both, uh, I mean, nobody needed to talk to them about motivation, they seemed to have it in spades, <laughs> and they both, they both talked about the motivation to how they used motivation and um, a sense of vision to influence, because the, the, the subject of that podcast was really well, the theme of that podcast was exercising influence across yeah. uh, across an organisation. When yes. um, and you and I both know about that from our previous careers, uh, that if you go in as as the BD or marketing or PR person, that you sometimes have to work quite hard because you're not as senior as many of the people that you're speaking to, to bring them along with you. I mean, it comes down to the relationships that you build, and definitely. And Definitely. the sense of, sense of purpose and vision you can create.
1: Yeah, I think so. And uh, you know, Benny and, and carrad were both quite strong in that podcast, talking about um, the, how to build those relationships and how they do that. And then also we added the equation around trust, because that being so fundamental. And one of the things we didn't get a chance to talk about within that podcast, but wanted to, but didn't actually do it, so we'll do it now, um, was to talk about a model by Raven. I think it's French and
0: Raven, uh, which goes back to the 50s on power sources. I think it's useful to talk about because people think of power as having one source, don't they? And it's often yeah. associated with a particular stereotype of people with power. And in, in actual fact, sometimes that th- we will go through the definitions, but sometimes they're less important than recognising that there are different types of power. And yeah, I think that's absolutely. why the media is really absolutely. valuable.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it, I mean, they, it breaks down into coercive reward, legitimate, reference, expert, and information power. Information power was added a bit later than the, the 50s in the sort of development of the model, but we think it's relevant, so we're including that one. Um, and some of those are about somebody's position, so the title that they have and those sorts of things, and that tends to be the things around coercive, reward, and legitimate Um, And then the others, the referent experts and information are more about personal sources of power and tend to be the ones that you can exert more influence over um, and dial up and dial down, as we would refer.
0: Mm. Yeah, because, um, you know, I think we're all aware of that. God, was it amy cuddy who talked about the power yeah. stance yeah. standing in front of the mirror <laughs> and developing yeah. that presence and i'm doing it now kind of yeah. in yoga we call that warrior position for that very yeah. reason with both yeah. arms at right angles and um, and with your feet a few you know a foot or so apart and yeah i've got this and and doing all that somatic stuff mm. um, before you go into a meeting where you might otherwise perhaps feel outpowered by other people, but yeah. actually owning the other sources of power that you have. If you're, say, uh, an architect going into a meeting with with developers or, or, yeah. or with a whole range, you know, a whole project team around a, a, a big project, uh, you are the expert in the room on that particular yeah. subject, and it's kind of drawing that confidence and power from yeah. knowing that. Yeah. yeah, which is something we work at quite a lot in our coaching work we do yeah. we do yeah
1: um and I think also the referent power is really interesting because everyone's got the ability to build those relationships haven't they and just thinking um about how to do that you know it's it's one thing that certainly uh, I think we both coached around in this virtual environment the disappearance of the pre-meet which used to be a way of sort of building up those relationships and that sort of thing and therefore helping with influence but also leveling out that um, sort of power
0: balance different ways to do that and there is power also in connections and I think that that was added for obvious reasons really that we're we work in a much more connected world than they were working in 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 the late 50s early 60s which brings us neatly I think to Paul Monaghan's podcast was on the theme of generosity but it was really it ended up being about so much more than that because Mm. Paul Um, was talking about the relationships that he had built at his very first practice BDP how those connections and relationships were carried through into when he was one of the founding partners of of AHMM in fact they helped him through so he had obviously and I think lots of people in our industry do Mm. built really strong connections that you know, people own those connections and they take Definitely. them wherever they yeah.
1: go. Well, and that's the crucial thing, isn't it? The network that you build in your early career stays with you. I mean, Paul was very generous, wasn't he, with his tips, as it were, for more um, emerging practices. Um, yeah, I
0: wonder if our emerging practices, who were our guests on our 40 Under 40 uh, podcast, had listened to Paul or have listened to Paul's, because a lot of that was around connections
1: it was definitely the other conversation which i think is relevant here is the one around client and architects relationships with you know with jacob wilson and sarah beth riley of be first and luke tozer of pitman tozer and jacob at the time was in his early stages of thinking around how they'll build sort of stronger relationships with fewer perhaps with fewer architects and bringing them together um, physically I guess or face to face in these sort of learning partnerships I think he referred to and it that sort of echoes also these themes that we're talking about around collaboration and relationships and connections um, from the Paul Monaghan part and the the 40 40 under 40 guys yeah they were talking about the importance of connections and also collaboration was a theme that came up through both of those parts wasn't it I mean, it's interesting that Paul was talking about that from a very established successful practice point of view and also our uh, you know equally successful but um, emerging practices we're also talking about that importance of collaboration particularly at the moment I guess you know, the coming together of people in times of uncertainty uh, I think is really helpful.
0: Yeah and just for people that haven't listened to that one yet we had Jazz Bala Architects, McCloy and Bachemwa and Archeo, we had five people on the couch in total. Yeah. And uh, and actually I after afterwards, when I listened to that, I reflected on how different some of their experiences have been of the Mm. last year as people who um, are of a different age group from me, for sure. But they talked, uh, I think it was Melis Hayward from Archeo talked about um, how working in a hybrid world or in a remote working environment had leveled the playing field quite yes. a lot she felt. yeah yeah
1: definitely I mean that's an interesting thing if you go back to Raven's power sources isn't it you what is that is that a perception thing that's changed in this um you know we're all given this little box aren't we now but still people are able to change their backgrounds and there's a little bit of power play going on sometimes when you log in so certainly if you look at some of the government things at the moment they're there's a bit of power play going on in the, their backgrounds. but still it seems to have been a leveller and I think some of that has been about accessibility isn't it mm. yeah, certainly with networking dues and that's sort the of thing making events now completely accessible to mm.
0: people around other commitments I think has been another source of levelling mm. yeah and that makes me think of, of um one of the functions of the office which I think everybody um, agrees is a really important role that having a workplace plays in our life particularly during the early stages of our career when we pick up on conversations happening around us and um, but actually what we can't do quite often in those situations is sit in on meetings that are happening and uh, I have Mm. coached a couple of people who have really taken advantage of the the kind of leveling power of working remotely to ask yes. if they can be in a meeting with camera mm-hmm. turned off but just observing what happens and we learn so much from observing people with more experience than us in that kind of environment yeah, which is interesting isn't it because so many people have talked about the lack of that sort
1: of learning by osmosis as people talking about and the actual you know the removal of opportunities for mentoring but actually on the other hand it's increased different
0: it's given us different opportunities for mentoring i guess yeah it's just we need to find new ways around these yes. challenges yes. i think that's that's the kernel of it isn't it that yeah. that we can't do things in quite the same way if we're working remotely or even high in a hybrid way but we need to find ways around those challenges and create new ways of communicating and connecting yeah in this world although as we speak rach we're sort of all about to kind of think about, well, we are thinking about returning to the office, whether it's two, three days a week, full-time. Um, so it would be interesting to see how this experience has altered how we think about the office.
1: We're moving into a different phase, aren't we? And I think it's you know that when I've been talking to people recently who are Going back into the office for part of their time themselves, but also welcoming their teams back in for some of the times. I've just been encouraging people to think about that transition, you know, rather than the leap back in and, whoa, it's just going to be how it was before, where I think some things could get lost just trying to think and we've both been asking this question because we'll come on to talk about something very exciting in a minute which brings up but what people have learned from the last 12 months and what they perhaps want to hold on to you know there's lots we want to drop because all of the difficulties or some of the difficulties obviously we'd rather just forget completely but there's been a lot of learning and things like the leveling up that people have talked about you know how do we hold on to that as we move back into this next phase of of working rather than just reverting back to how things were before, which wasn't
0: working for everyone. Trust, we have to mention trust. I think that there's been studies that shown that people have been just as productive over the last year, if not in some cases more so, and sometimes for the wrong reasons, because there's been not much else to do and they haven't had the commute. So they've been working much longer yeah. hours and they're yeah. contracted to work. But to take that trust now that has been developed through you know treating people like grown-ups and trusting them to get on with their jobs however and wherever they're working and keep that I think that's probably got to be something that taken forward and is one of the lessons that we've learned that's a good phrase isn't it lessons that have been learned
1: (laughs) the other thing I was just thinking about was the fact that you know the office wasn't working for everyone in the when we were predominantly in the office and working from home doesn't work for everyone And this blended version won't work for everyone. But there's definitely an opportunity to try and get the workplace. And when I say workplace, I'm thinking about the physical aspect and the digital aspect. But to try and get the whole of the workplace to work better for more people with some of this sort of bringing the lessons with us might just help. You know, things like the introvert extrovert thing, which is, you know, overstated, I think, because introvert extrovert version, as we know, is completely It's much more complex than it's it's not two boxes that people sit in. But certainly, you know, there's a lot that has benefited different types of people from a neuro point of view, working from home. And it would be a shame just to ditch all of that to go back into the to go back into the office. So trying to get things to work for more people.
0: Yeah. And um, balance all that against the need to run a business. Um, to balance yeah. the needs of the business yeah. against the needs of the yeah. individual. Yeah. So it's a time for rewriting the rules, which brings me to one of my favourite books It's Bright Pink, the cover. It's called Be More Pirate, and it's by a guy called Sam Conniff. And it was published in 2018, so it was it's a pre-COVID book, but it could mm-hmm. be, I think it's a book for our times because what Sam does is take stories of pirates that people might not really know, sort of do a bit of myth-busting around piracy literally pirates and uh, draw lessons from that to how we live so for those that don't want to read the book there's a really handy youtube video that has five steps of piracy and the first one is break a rule and the second one is rewrite the rules which he said in pirate land that was mutiny but we're at a time where i think where we can rewrite the rules and then he says step three is reorganize yourself around those rules don't chase growth Uh, be dynamic and resourceful and think sort of sideways and then he talks about step four being redistributing power so talking more about collaboration and more democratic structures and finally he talks about the power of brand which is really neatly loops back to many of our podcasts but I'm thinking particularly (laughs) of the very first one in the very first series with Martin Evans And, and he talks about branding and then he talks about the skull and crossbones as being such a perfect example of weaponized marketing, because flying the skull and crossbones meant that actually people just gave up automatically or went mm. in the opposite direction. So you didn't actually have to mm. do anything.
1: Um,
0: right. So using smart branding to increase your profitability, you know, here's the treasure. So mm. um, I recommend that book as a fun read with some yeah, useful lessons so relevant, for our time. So yeah. relevant
1: at the moment. And kind of a confirmation that some of these trends were already taking place pre-COVID,
0: isn't it? I suspect that Adam Scott of Free State would quite like that book if he hasn't come across it already. So yeah. Alan, Adam, if you're listening, give give it a look.
1: I think just to go back to one of the things that we started to allude to there, a bit of learning from lockdown. We have an exciting project just about to launch. It's a book. It's a book. <laughs>
0: And to sum up, we've asked all the guests that we've had on our virtual couch over the last almost year of recording the Coaches on the Couch podcast, that's 46 guests in total on the virtual couch, mostly couches, some rule breakers, some pirates (laughs) in there, all sharing their experiences and their learning from this period. And we set them all a bit of a challenge and asked them to contribute a little bit of text which kind of summed up what they felt was the key lesson they were personally taking forward from this last year and we've captured all that together in a book we have
1: and it's out now
0: and it's out now and it's called learning from lockdown and you will see it in a good social media place near you or on our website which is www stepuplondon.com
1: And I guess all there is to say now is thanks so much for everyone listening. Do check out the back catalogue, which you'll find in all the usual podcast places. If you've missed any of the there haven't been 46 episodes actually, have there's 46. 46 guests. guests. There's probably something like 25 episodes, I'm going to guess at over the last three series. So check those out. And we'll be back fairly soon-ish
0: for season four please be sure to buy a copy of the book i'll definitely do that which will help us to continue with series four and future series yes yes indeed and if
1: you want to find out more about working with us obviously we do coaching a number of leadership coaching programs through step up if you want to find out more about that you'll also find that at our website while you're buying the book at stepuplondon.com thank you very much and that's a wrap thank you very much
0: okay thanks for listening bye